Be seated. If you have a Bible, you might like to turn to the book of Psalms, and I'm going to read Psalm 8 for you in a moment. It's a fantastic privilege to be here at Kensington Temple. This platform is arguably one of the most strategic Pentecostal platforms in the world, and the privilege to preach here is uh, indescribable, and my deep gratitude to Pastor Colin and the team for their giving me this honor today. The first time I preached here in Kensington Temple was 1972. That's 40 years ago. And uh, I was a young minister, young 24-year-old minister. And if you're not very good at maths, that makes me 44. And, <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget, Ellen Henderson greeted me on the door as, as I left, or as she was leaving. And she'd, oh, she said, uh, thank you for your sermon. It was wonderful, she said. But I couldn't hear a word. Um, <laughs> I hadn't learned to project my voice, but she thought it was wonderful, even though she didn't hear a word. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you've ordained praise because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is humankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them, yet you've made them a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned them with glory and honor. You've made them rulers over the works of your hands. You've put all things under their feet all flocks and herds and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea and all that swim the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. There is nothing more important in this cosmos than the glory of God. David the psalmist has had it revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that God has set his glory above the heavens. He cries out in those opening words, Yahweh, El Adonai, Jehovah, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So who God is, his eternal purposes, how he will wind up the affairs of human history and create a new heaven and a new it is all important God's glory is vital to the existence of this cosmos in fact the Westminster Shorter Catechism says the reason we Christians are here is to glorify God and enjoy him forever Amen. it is one of the most remarkable experiences as human beings we can enjoy the eternal God Knowing him and his son Jesus is eternal life. We don't get eternal life when we pass on. We have eternal life now, which we take on with us when this body dies. In fact, there's no such thing as death, really, to the Christian. There's only departing. We go on to the next world. You see, the Christian church is the largest movement ever known to mankind. Because we're the only movement that never loses our members through death. We, the saints are there of all ages. 
And the writer of the Hebrews says, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses, let's run that race with perseverance. And I believe that all the saints of all the ages who've ever lived are alive today in glory. They are the invisible church. We are the visible church. What a privilege for us human beings to, to know these truths and to anticipate them. And know with an absolute shadow of doubt that should we die today, we go straight into the presence of Christ. You see, this psalm is only nine verses. And the first verse and the last verse are identical. There's only one other time in the book of Psalms that the opening verse is the same as the closing verse. They're like bookends on the shelf, keeping us together. The glory of God at the beginning and the end. Words that glorify God are called doxology. So that's the first point today, is our doxology is the glory of God. And John says, we've seen his glory, full of grace and truth, full of G and T. Grace and truth. <laughs> if that helps you to remember it, praise the Lord. Full of G and T, he was, full of grace and truth. I don't know if you're too spiritual to have heard of a Nordic Swedish group called ABBA. Have you, have you, some of you heard of ABBA? Yeah. Mamma Mia. Do you remember this one? Tonight the super trooper lights are going to find me, shining like the sun, smiling, having fun. Feeling like a number one. Can you hear the tune in your minds? I wonder how many of you know what a super trooper is. It's that arc light in the auditorium, in the concert hall, that shines the most powerful beam of light on the artist, on the band, on the orchestra, on the choir. And in the lighting industry, they call it the super trooper. So you see what Abba were asking for. They wanted the super trooper of human attention, all on them. They want to be shining, having fun, being number one. There's only one person who's ever prayed that prayer and God has answered. It was Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Father, glorify me that I might glorify you. And God said, you're on. And the cross and the resurrection has become the fulcrum of human history. The most significant event in the history of mankind, humankind. The cross and resurrection. We date our calendars B.C. and A.D. The cross of Christ. We can never pray that prayer. But we can pray God be glorified through me. That's okay. We can pray that every day. Lord, through my speech, my conduct, my, my smile, my behavior, my looks. Not, I, as in looks, I mean... I mean in the way you look at someone. God can be glorified. We have a privilege to reflect something of his glory. You see, you and me have been made in the image of God. When he finished all the animals and the plants and the fish and the birds, they said, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, let's make humankind in our image. Can you believe it? Not the animals, not the birds, not the fish, not the plants. Let's make humankind. And Adam and Eve were created, made in the image of God. The posh Latin is imago Dei. 
Every human being is made in the image of God. Something of God's image stamped uniquely on you that's never been stamped on anybody before and never will again. And that soul and spirit can never die. It will either go on to eternal life or eternal loss. Made in the image of God. You see, the devil is very successful. He undermines this truth. So you get to feel worthless and hopeless. And your sense of security and self-worth and significance is so low. And he's very successful. He'll get you down and keep you down if you're not careful. When you need to remember, as the psalmist said, you've made humankind a little lower than the heavenly beings. And that heavenly being's word, that Hebrew word, is Elohim. And many times in the Old Testament, the old translators translated Elohim as God himself. And in the New Living Translation, it says, you've made humankind a little lower than God himself. Can you imagine it? You, little old you, you've been made just a little lower than God himself. Robbie Burns is a famous Scottish poet. He's dead now, but he was. They celebrate Burns Night when they eat haggis, don't tell you, I had haggis last year for the very first time, the very last time I think too, um, <laughs> but he was a great Scottish poet, and one line from one of his poems is, I wish to God the gift he gave us to see ourselves as others see us, and that's an important gift, to ask yourself, how am I coming across, how, am I, how is my behaviour, my speech, my attitudes, what's that doing for the other person, that's a very important thing in life, to ask yourself, how am I coming across? How are other people seeing me? But even more important than that is the gift to see ourselves as God sees us. If you could only know how precious you are in the sight of God. You, me, we've been crowned with glory and honor. It's an inestimable privilege. I'm going to tell you a little bit of useless information right now, which you'll never forget. You can't, can't use it, but you heard it here. There's no such street in London as Bond Street. You can't go shopping in Bond Street. It doesn't exist. On the central line, you can pass through a tube stop which says Bond Street. And if you're a fond player of Monopoly, a board game, you can buy Bond Street, about £320. But you can never go to Bond Street. There's only old Bond Street and New Bond Street. And where they connect, that is the most exclusive jewellers in the whole of Europe. A man owns it, his name is Lawrence Graff. I didn't know any of this, but I was with a friend walking down New Bond Street, and he stopped me outside the jewellers. He said, look at that. Look at those rings. Look at that one. I'd never seen the shop before, I never noticed it. He said, shall we go in and ask how much? <laughs> I said, yeah, sure. So we pressed the bell on the front door. The door opened 90 degrees. We stepped inside. It automatically locked behind us. We walked down the corridor, pressed another bell. That door opened 90 degrees. We stepped inside, and three men on that door electronically closed. Three men walked towards us. Two stood behind us, between us and the door, <laughs> and one man stood in front. How may I help? My friend said, We're not buying today. <laughs> which is the truth. But we would like to 
to know, have a look at such and such a ring. The window turned 180 degrees and then again electronically opened. They took the ring out and passed it to my friend. And as my friend was looking at it and then he passed it to me, the man said it's a rectangular parve, bright cut, 28 carat, flawless emerald diamond. I was thinking how nice it would look on my wife's finger. <laughs> then my friend said, how much? There was a pregnant pause. And this dear man said, Two million pounds, sir. <laughs> Plus VAT. <laughs> so we, we handed the ring back and went out into New Bond Street. And then I was reminded of the words of Jesus. What does it profit anyone to gain the whole world? and lose their never-dying soul. In other words, you, you, excuse me, pointing, you, 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 you are more valuable in the sight of God than all the emeralds, sapphires, rubies, aquamarines, topaz, gold, silver. You, yes, you. He's made you in his image. He's crowned you with glory and honor. If I achieve nothing today by the Holy Spirit, I pray as you walk down the steps out of this church today, walk tall in your God. He's made you. He doesn't want you walking around feeling worthless and useless and hopeless. You're special to Him. If you've got any hair on your head, every one of them are numbered. You believe that? He loves you so much. And as a Christian, he sees you in Christ. The beauty and the purity of Jesus Christ covering you. What a privilege. I can't understand why anybody doesn't want to be a Christian. And it's free. His grace, his mercy. My favorite musical in the West End is Les Mis. Les Miserables. It's the story of Jean Valjean. Uh, who's been in prison for 14 years for stealing a loaf of bread to feed his, wife, his sister's children. He's let out on parole. Everybody rejects him till he comes to the home of a priest. And the priest sees him, realizes he's on parole, he's tattooed, welcomes into his home, lays a table of food and wine and a lovely bed, the first time in 14 years he's ever slept in a bed. But in the middle of the night, Jean Valjean gets up out of bed, goes downstairs, steals as much silver as he can get in a, in a sack, and makes off into the night. He's stopped by the police. Police say, where did you get this from? He said it was a present from a priest. The police march him back to the house of the priest, get the priest up out of bed, and they say to the priest, is it true? Were these items of silver a present from you to this man? Jean Valjean knows his life's hanging by a thread. He's about to be back in prison, never, ever, ever, ever to see parole until he dies and rots in prison. And the priest says, yes, these were a present. And you forgot these two candlesticks. 
And in that moment of time, Jean Valjean is converted. He experiences the grace of God. He didn't deserve it. Grace is getting what you don't deserve, and mercy is not getting what you deserve. And both are in the Christian message. It's the only faith in the world that understands grace, that is even remotely interested. By grace you are saved through faith. This is a gift from God, not of works, lest anybody should boast. And if it so happens that you're not a convinced Christian today, I beg you, talk to one of the team before you leave, one of the stewards. Ask to speak to somebody who can talk about this salvation and the assurance of salvation. So no, should you die now, going straight into the presence of God. And this is freely given to every Christian. The eternal assurance, the eternal security. Well, the next time you are overcome with a sense of worthlessness, look up. Think of this God and his glory. He's made you just a little lower than himself, crowned you with glory and honor, and offers you freely his mercy and his grace. It's all about human dignity. You see, human dignity is unique to humankind. We have a responsibility to honor the human dignity of men and women. That's what motivates us to care, to campaign, to be engaged in social action, in social care, because these people are made in God's image. 90% of prostitutes in Great Britain today are on Class A drugs. They're serious drug addicts. 60% of them have been groomed since childhood into this way of life. Raped. 60% of them have been in care, in foster care, didn't have a home of their own. They need our care. They've been made in the image of God. They need our protection. Those adults with learning disabilities, the terminally ill, the dying, children with special needs, children and adults with physical disabilities. I remember the one occasion I went to St. Christopher's Hospice. Dame Cicely Saunders is the founder of the hospice movement. These are wonderful homes where people who know unequivocally they're dying, they go and they get cared for. The first one was opened in Sydenham in Kent, in South London. And I walked into that place. You could feel the presence of the angels of God there. Just extraordinary. It's a great privilege to be a guest at her Thanksgiving service in Westminster Abbey. This Christian woman cared for the dying. So those who are most vulnerable in society are made in God's image and need our care and our attention. The refugee, the asylum seeker, the homeless person, the poor, the disadvantaged, the hungry. Anything we do in Jesus' name, respecting that they're made in God's image, will be eternally recorded. So we've got the doxology, the glory of God at the beginning and the end. We've got human dignity, just made a little lower than the angels. Thirdly, our duty, our Christian duty. David the psalmist said, you've made us rulers over the works of your hands. Every Christian is a ruler, is a caretaker, is a steward of all that is in this world except sin. 
You see, we've got a habit of thinking that today, this morning, 11 o'clock, we're, we're doing something sacred, and then tomorrow we'll do something secular. Couldn't be further from the truth. There's nothing secular in the sight of God except sin. The National Secular Society and the British Humanist Association are great um, opponents of Christianity. Professor Richard Dawkins is president of one and associate member of the other. I rang up the National Secular Society and said, in what way are you different from the British Humanist Association? Oh, we're not, the voice said. It's just we're more anti-Christian. <laughs> That's the true nature of secularism. It's anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Bible, anti-Church, and anti-any influence Christianity might have in the public square. True secularism is pure atheism. So I never use the word secular unless I'm talking about something that is anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Church, anti-faith. So everything you do, everything I do, can be done as if Jesus personally asked me to. When Gordon Brown was Prime Minister, he invited a bunch of church leaders from London to 10 Downing Street. I was invited. And you can't walk down Downing Street normally. You have to put on a special walk. Because <laughs> people are looking. You want them to think you might be important, even if you're not. So I walked down Downing Street, you know, <laughs> how one does. And the door was opened to me, and in I went. I made it a special point to be in the furthest corner of the room. I, I could see many friends of mine close to Gordon Brown, so I happily went as far away as I could be, not because I had anything against him. I was talking to a Christian MP, and uh, I turned around, and there standing next to me was Gordon Brown with his little son in his arms. And he's been a fearless campaigner against euthanasia, against physician-assisted dying. And I thanked him. And he said, yes, we must fight. And I had to walk out of 10 Downing Street, trying to remember how I walked in, if you remember, sort of. <laughs> Later on that day, at the underground, there was a young man selling the Evening Standard. I made the fatal mistake of saying to him, how are you? He said, I'm in trouble. I made a second fatal error. I said, can I help? He said, yes. I said, how can I help? He said, I want to go to the toilet. <laughs> how can I help? Well, he said, if you wouldn't mind standing here selling the Evening Standard, I could go across the pub and take a comfort break. I said, you're on. Put my briefcase down. Standard, standard, read all about it. No, I didn't actually say that, but I did sell a few evening standards for him. And going home on the underground, I was reflecting on my little encounter in 10 Downing Street and helping that evening standard man. And I think the angels rejoiced more about me helping him than my presence in 10 Downing Street. You see, you know, in our eyes, we, we know what we think is important. We know what if we were allowed to do that or asked to do that or invited there, we know how important that would feel. And well, this, this is just insignificant. I think often in heaven's terms, they're unimportant and these are vitally important. Getting on the bus, using your Oyster card and saying thank you to the bus driver. 
seeing somebody sweeping the streets, stop them. Say thank you. And Malachi 3.16 talks about God recording things in the books of remembrance. And I believe all these things that are done in Jesus' name, a cup of cold water, a piece of bread, that smile, that gesture, maybe buying the big issue, or whatever, is recorded. And one day those books will be open. And Jesus will willingly reward you. You see, there's rewards, there's reigning, there's rulings in the other world to come. And even though you may have forgotten the deeds you've done and the things you've said and the little acts of kindness, heaven records them all and you'll be reminded of them. I don't know how it's going to work, but it's quite clear there's going to be a judgment day when all that you've done is going to be weighed. There'll be wood, hay, stubble. That stuff that you've done is pure selfishness, unkind, wrong, and you should never have done it, said it, or acted in, and it. It's, it's there. And then there's the gold and the silver and the jewels of what you've sought to do, however humble, in Jesus' name. And then it's set fire to. And the wood, the hay and the stubble, burnt up, gone. And all that's left are the precious jewels of what you did, sought to do in Jesus' name. And then Jesus will be rewards and there'll be levels of reward in heaven. We're not all going to be having the same. I promise you that. The Bible is quite clear. Parable of the talents, parable of the weighing up of the beamer seat, entering in and receiving your eternal reward. That's why our Christian duty to take care, to caretake, to rule, to be stewards is so important. And I make no apologies to you. I'm looking forward to a great reward. I know because he wants to give us great rewards. This is not salvation. Our salvation is secure. And we build on that secure foundation. You don't lose your salvation, but you lose everything else. And for a season there'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's quite clear to me in the parable of the talents. There'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And then God will wipe away all tears. Wipe away all regrets. Wipe away all wasted years and wasted lives. You'll enter into that new heaven and new earth. We talked about human dignity and the beauty of humankind. You see, Jesus, before he was born, if I can say it reverently, he was dying to be human. We don't know so much about his pre-incarnate form. In the Old Testament, there are hints of him appearing in different ways. It's not quite clear. But in the womb of the Virgin Mary, the Holy Spirit came upon her, and there was an explosion of life. And at one stage, Jesus Christ was too small to see with the naked eye. At that moment of divine conception. Then he grew for nine months in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And then was born and grew up. And at the age of 33, he laid down his life. He had been dying to become human. Because when the resurrection was all over, he didn't revert to his pre-incarnate form. He kept a body forever. He's got a body today. He's in heaven. It's an amazing body that he could witness it walking through a wall, eating, drinking. He could be held. He could appear and disappear. And one day, we're going to have a body like that too. Wouldn't you be glad of a nice new body? No aches, no pains, no hip replacements, 
no knee replacements, no tiredness, no weakness. Transformed. It's, again, it's part of the package. Every Christian in Christ will one day have a body like him. A glorified body. Do you know the most dangerous place to live in the United Kingdom today? It's in the womb of a mother. 190,000 unborn, voiceless, silent, innocent ones are taken from the womb every year, currently. The womb of a woman, of a mother, should be the most hallowed place on the face of the earth. I got a picture, a black and white picture of me, 30 years ago. My son, he's six months old, I got him on my shoulder here. And on the other hand, I got a banner. This banner says, Abortion Kills. And me, along with Mother Teresa and Francis Schaeffer and John Stott and tens of thousands of others, marched through London to Speaker's Corner for a, a big pro-life rally. I still believe abortion kills. I still believe it's a silent ho holocaust. But I will never march through London again with a placard like that. What's that saying to the woman standing on the curb who's had an abortion? What's it say to the woman who's facing an unplanned pregnancy? She don't know how she's going to cope. She feels abortion is the only way out. So instead, we've seen established over 160 pregnancy crisis centres all over the UK. Amanda Dye, Colin's wife, is a trustee of one in Ealing called Choices, where women are cared for who are facing an unplanned pregnancy. Women are cared for who come for help having had an abortion. The best thing you can do for an unborn child is to love that child's mother. So there's no condemnation. I feel a black and white poster through London would be condemning women. Instead, we need to embrace them and love them and care for them and their unborn child. People at the end of life, dying. There will be another attempt this year to try and legalize physician-assisted dying with doctors if the law, if it became law, would be permitted to help you to die, to give you a lethal injection. People at the end of life are vulnerable. They need love and help and support. That's why the hospice movement is so wonderful. Founded by the Christian Dame Cicely Saunders. And whatever you see people at risk, your duty is to care, to serve. In Parliament, care is working. In the last general election, about 210 brand new MPs came into Westminster. Of those 210, 40 are fabulous, convinced, independently-minded Christians. Yeah, thank you, Lord. And the irony is many of them are there because of the expensive scandal. So many MPs were so ashamed of their conduct. They just couldn't bring themselves to stand again at the general election, so they re retired. Lots of Christians in place moved in in a wonderful way. Yeah. 
thank you for the round of applause. He's saying, thank you, Lord. You've answered our prayers. You prayed that more MPs would become Christians and enter into the house. Pray for them, that God would use them fantastically as he is. One MP, one new MP, told me that he was in a member of a church in Cambridge. And he'd been born and bred in Luton. So they decided to plant a church in Luton. And he got to Luton, he found out the majority of people in Luton were Labour Party supporters. They voted for the Labour candidate. So he said, well, it makes sense, I want to make an impact, I'm going to join the Labour Party. Then the MP announced that they weren't going to stand at the general election, and the committee said, well, why don't you, Gavin? He said, I'm a, I'm a church planter. No, he said, well, we think you should stand as our MP. And he did, and he got in. I am having a cup of tea with him in the House of Commons. He said, Lynn, I'm a church planter, I'm not an MP. But God has brought me to this house for such a time as this. And he's already chairman of the all-party anti-trafficking uh, committees. Fantastic privilege, fantastic privilege. Gavin and Lucy Shook. And I could tell you other stories. We need to look at every area of life whether it's agriculture or politics or sport. Any Chelsea supporters here this morning? Yes, congratulations. Only just, only just. I want to pray that many more sportsmen will get converted and be a real example to young people and other sportsmen. This summer we've got the, the Olympics in London and behind the Olympics there's a terrific Christian initi initiative called More Than Gold. You see, everywhere God wants his influence to be known. In your home, in your parenting, in your caring for others, in your street, in your flat, in your college, in your school, in, in between jobs, in your job. Everywhere he wants that grace and truth that Jesus so exhibited to be exhibited by you. To claim areas of our national life. We need to pray that many more will go into the media, into television, into radio, into the press. To make a... A real Christian difference, that's what, partly what CARE stands for. Seeking to encourage people in the creative arts, in manufacturing. Last week I met the chief executive of the Federation of Manufacturers. 650 staff he's got, and he's there representing manufacturing in England to the government and to Brussels and so on. Lovely Christian man. Christian influence, seeking to, to act with integrity and honesty and truth. We need to pray that the Lord would raise up many more people like this in every area of our national life no area is outside of God's influence except sin God's not into the business of sin doesn't want us to be in the business of sin but everything else I can do it if Jesus personally asked me to I had a phone call some time ago from a man who spoke a bit like that he lived in South Kensington South Kensington we were living in North Kensington we lived in a house, he lived in a house, his cost hundreds of thousands of pounds, it was, he spoke a bit like that. He said, Lyndon, the Lord's told me I've got to come and wash your feet. And the only thought in my mind was when I'd washed them last. He came to my home, literally, I rolled up my trousers up to my knees, and I, I gave him a bowl of warm water and soap and a towel, and he literally washed my feet. I've never felt such a Charlie in all my life. But God did something in me that day, dealt with a vanity and pride, and I've never forgotten it. I saw him the other day 
we were together in St. Paul's Cathedral for a big service, an ordination service, and I thanked him. His reply was, at least I got one thing right in life. I'm not suggesting you go home and ring up your best friend and say, Lord, show me to come and wash your feet. But you could ask yourself, in what way could I serve and refresh and bless? It may be just saying thank you to somebody in this church before you leave today. Someone you could suspect behind the scenes has been working and serving you in some way. Just go and say thank you. It's recorded in the book of remembrance. You can never say thank you too many times. Pick up that phone and thank that mother. Thank that father if they're alive. Or someone important to you in, in the past. Say thank you. Pastor Eldin Corsi, who used to be the senior minister at Kensington, and Colin used to be his assistant in the dim, distant past. He's now 82 and he's got Alzheimer's. Parkinson, sorry, Parkinson. Very frail. It's a privilege to sit with him recently and thank him for the impact he had on my life. I was assistant to him too once. He gave me enough rope to hang myself. <laughs> Fortunately, I didn't hang myself, but used it for God's glory. So, in coming into land, can I tell you, it's only when the glory of God is at the beginning and the end we find our high place just under God. It's only then that human dignity will flourish. Ideas of human rights, the sanctity of human life, care of the weak, care of the elderly, all arise from this fact that we are made in His image. Space-time models of God Himself made in His very image. May God bless you.